2: This is a Wednesday edition of the Wonder Brown Talk podcast, pre agency edition. Dan Lobby here with Mary Abbott, Scott Pascoe, Doug Lay, Maurice. Guys, let's get right to it. Baker Mayfield, so we're recording this at 8 o'clock, a little after 8 o'clock on Wednesday, which is about 24 hours. I don't remember the exact time. About 24 hours since Baker broke his social media silence and posted a letter where he basically said, hey, I'm not saying goodbye to Cleveland, but goodbye, Cleveland. <laughs> I'm just curious let's, let's, I want to go back in time real quick there's a lot to get to with Baker but I, I want to know your reactions when you first kind of saw that letter when you first whether it was a notification from you know that you tweeted or somebody sent it whatever it was Mary Kay what was your first reaction when Baker sort of broke his silence in that fashion?
0: Well my first thought was that uh, he was you know really impacted by the fact that the Cleveland Browns got on a private jet and flew to Houston uh, to try to court another team's quarterback. And he could not hold it in any longer. All of that silence just kind of bubbled up and he had to say something. Uh, So I I guess I wasn't surprised because that is Baker's personality. I mean, that's the Baker that we've known since the moment that, that, uh, you know, even long before he was drafted by the Browns. So not, overly surprised that he, you know, that bubbled up to the surface, Uh, but it really, really seemed like goodbye to me. I mean, it almost seemed like he was, uh, you know, in some ways trying to slam the door shut so that in the event that whether they get Watson or they don't, it almost seemed like he was trying to hasten his exit from Cleveland. I think he seems ready to go and that he would like a fresh start.
2: Doug, it feels like there's like been this battle of narratives in between the Browns and some players this offseason. You know, Jarvis had that whole thing where he kind of went on a tweet storm and put the ball in the Browns' court, and then the Browns kind of hit it back to him and went back to them. It's just this back and forth, and this almost feels a little bit like Baker probably seeing the end but also maybe trying to control that narrative a little bit. I, I know some people kind of compared it on Twitter to like, you can't fire me, I quit.
3: Yeah. It's like, he's trying to slam the door as he's being thrown through the window of the bar out into the street. You know, it's like, okay, well, listen uh, he did a lot of good things here, but I think as Mary Kay said, nobody's surprised by this and that he would react this way. And Dan, you were sort of joking about on Twitter, the idea of like, Oh, is Matt Ryan (laughs) going to send out his letter now because the Falcons are talking to Deshaun Watson, but it is interesting here. The four teams that are, pursuing Deshaun Watson right now. The Panthers don't have a quarterback. The Saints don't have a quarterback. And the Falcons have a 36-year-old quarterback. The only team pursuing Deshaun Watson that has a quarterback in his prime are the Browns. So they really have the only guy who could get mad like this. So I'm not surprised by it, but also the idea that the Browns are doing it and don't care. So like, I mean, they're just doing what they got to do also, I think tells you something. And so once this started very publicly and they weren't going to be able to hide it, it felt like you'd get to this point, because as we all know, Baker is not someone to sit back and sort of like just sort of take this. But on the other hand, you know, both with Jarvis and Baker in the end, what are the Browns trying to do? Get better players. So They've been good players for the Browns. The Browns are trying to get even better players. And that's hard to take and hard to hear. And on your way out, you might have some rough thoughts about that. Mm
1: -hmm. Scott, what did you think? You know, my first thought was he's been released. I started frantically looking through Twitter to see who was reporting that. When I realized that wasn't the case, my next thought was, well, what is the point of this? I do agree that it's totally on brand for him. Um, but I just, I read it, you know, and I'm thinking what, why, what was, did you not have Andrew Barry's phone number? Like if, if you're in the dark, if you're not sure what's going on, maybe call the people who could answer those questions. Maybe he did that, but that certainly doesn't read like he's informed about what's happening with his situation. So I just, I don't know. I just thought like, what's, what's the point of this? What's what's up with the timing of it. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to ask for a trade, ask for a trade, but this is, he says in the beginning, how this is not a, um, doesn't have any hidden meeting. I almost laughed out loud at that. If you read the whole thing, it obviously does, but, um, yeah, I just, what's the point. And I don't know on brand.
2: It it felt a little bit too, like the, the clickbait thing where he kind of, it almost Seemed like he felt when he did that, he'd get a bunch of people supporting him mm-hmm. and he'd have a bunch of people like, Oh yeah, go Baker. We got your back. And you know, again, I'm sure there was some of that, but this all, this felt a little bit like that too. Like I'm going to put out this letter and a whole bunch of people are going to feel bad for me. I, you know, I'm putting words in the Baker's mouth obviously I'm projecting, but um, it, it felt a little bit like that. Mary Kate, he has to have known that the Browns were looking. hmm like, I, I know today we've seen some people say that, you know, the Browns didn't inform him they were going to Houston or whatever. You know, maybe he wasn't expecting it to be this extreme, but he had to have known they were looking. This couldn't have completely shocked him.
0: Well, it shouldn't have. I mean, when you are heading into the final year of your contract and you don't have an offer of an extension, nothing like this should surprise you in any way, shape or form. And in every single article that I've written, I've said, yes, they expect him to be their starter next year, but they also uh, have made it abundantly clear that they are exploring all of their options. Uh, they didn't slam the door shut on that at the combine. And when they talked to his agents at the, at the combine, yes, they did say, we do fully expect that Baker is going to be the starter, uh, but you know we do have to look around. So this should have come as no surprise to anyone. And the letter in part also felt to me like Baker's sort of way of letting people know that he's he's still there and that uh, he's available and come get me, you know, it, it, it had a little bit of, you know, come and rescue me and and uh, and see what we can't do. And, you know, I, I think he has a list of places that he would like to go. And I, I think he would like a change of scenery. I've been writing since midway through last season that it was going to be a two way street between Baker's camp and the Browns uh, that he was not entirely happy with the way things went down last season. We know that in part from some of the things that he said after games, when he criticized Kevin Stefanski's play calling, we saw other behaviors that led us to believe that there were issues with Baker Mayfield last year. And I think that some of these things are just kind of, you know, coming to a head or or coming to light now. And, And he's sort of proving the things that we've been talking about all season long.
2: I think that's sort of been my takeaway the last 24 hours is like, we've sort of been on this going back Mm -hmm. to, like you said, midway through the season, Mm -hmm. you know, that first Baltimore game. I mean, Doug, are you surprised by any of this? Is there any element of, of how this has played out that surprises you outside, outside of like, Oh, they really are cool with going and getting Deshaun Watson. I, I mean, I guess that's, Maybe a little surprising, but just generally with Baker, how this has played out.
3: I'm not surprised with the Baker side of things. I I thought it was possible that the Browns would let the fifth year play out, slow play it a little bit, bring in a hedge, but have him be the guy. But when you see the aggression across the board, they are not messing around. And when you cut Austin Hooper and you cut J.C. Tretter and you cut Jarvis Landry and you go get Amari Cooper and you are clearly focused on an idea of what you want your offense to look like. And it, it it feels like they don't want it to look exactly like it looked last year. They want it to upgrade and also maybe take a little turn away from the six yard passes to the tight end. And if you're doing that, how can that not include the quarterback? So they have maybe been more generally aggressive with upgrading and maybe, you know, getting a little more toward 11 personnel, all those kinds of things with the offense than maybe I expected. I'm glad. I think it's what they needed, but I wasn't sure that they would do it. But when you see there, you know, thanks for being a great Brown Jarvis and JC and everybody else being a great Brown ain't where it's at right now. We're trying to upgrade talent. We're trying to throw the ball better. We're trying to throw our resources, it feels like, into the passing game. And then how can that not include the quarterback? So it's the general aggression from the Browns that I maybe underestimated.
2: Yes, go. Go ahead, Scott. I
1: was gonna say it does I'm glad you brought up the whole this could be a different look thing because that's what I've been thinking as well. Um, hey, they let they let Andy Janovich walk, you know, that was maybe the first. Strike here and then you're, you're getting rid of Hooper and it looks like you're elevating Njoku to maybe a, a main tight end situation. You've got Amari Cooper now. Uh, you're chasing Deshaun Watson and perhaps this offense is about to undergo some sort of a change. Um, didn't play a lot of 13 personnel in Houston. Um, it seems like this could be set up to be something that's built more around a totally different quarterback than what Baker Mayfield is. Um, maybe it's going to be closer to uh, a three-headed monster kind of situation that you see in a lot of, you know, other really good teams in this league. So uh, I've had that thought too, that we could be seeing uh, a different animal. Like they sat down and said, we have to get more explosive. We can't have our run game be the most explosive thing about our offense. How do we do that? And they're trying to get players to make that
3: happen. It started with the fullback how the Browns revamped their offense and won a super bowl yes. coming in 2023 from Scott Patzko. I mean, they still got Johnny Stanton, but I mean, you know, I, I
2: need at least until, one until Johnny Stanton plays 50% of the snaps this year on offense.
1: Yes. <laughs> hey, by the, by the way, real quick, uh, the, the, did they turn the power off in Rocky River, Mary Kay? Because I, don't, I know people can't see this, but she's in the dark and it looks like she's wearing a coat. I'm just <laughs> I'm concerned you're about to get kicked out into the street or something.
0: You know what? Our power <laughs> did go out in Rocky River today. It's funny that you should say that. We do have it back, but I did have to wait for it. You can't see this on a podcast.
2: Oh, she's showing us the fireplace. Uh, the, the fireplace. fireplace.
0: Built the fire. <laughs> Got the coat on. My husband is trying to freeze me out here. You know, you <laughs> like, guys go through the uh, temperature wars in your homes.
1: Like yes. One person's
0: outside. cold. One person's hot. I'm always cold. So that's what's going on. Works. <laughs> um, but as you guys know, I've been saying and saying and saying that Kevin Stefanski is not going to be painted into a, an offensive corner, that we cannot stereotype him, that he will be what they need him to be. And he will run the offense they, that his personnel will be best suited to, and I think they are going to come out of the dark ages a little bit this year with more less of the plotting type offense and go explosive. I think that uh, I think all the signs are there, but of course it will depend on if they land the quarterback or not. I mean, who knows? But I really do think they're laying the foundation for uh, you know a very sophisticated, explosive aerial attack.
3: I even thought signing Jakeen Grant as a return guy, but who could maybe be a little wrinkle on offense might mm-hmm. be like, like an upgraded turbocharged version of what they maybe were going to do with Jojo Natson a couple of years ago before Jojo Natsen got hurt at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, give that guy the ball in a jet sweep twice a game or something. You know, it just felt like, Oh, what else did they do? Oh, here's this other little signing of a guy who runs a four, three, eight. It's like, okay, I guess we're getting explosive.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, I mean, they needed to boost that return game somehow, too. I, I mean, that, that's all part of it, right? That's part of the offensive thing. If you can use that return game to, to get yourself some field position, maybe steal points, uh, that, that's going to make your offense better as well. So I, I guess one of the big things today, and again, if you haven't been listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, this surprised you today, but we've, we've been saying stuff like this. The Browns want a grown-up at quarterback. That was one of the things that came out. They want an adult at quarterback we've talked about baker's personality right and, and it's something that you know look it's one of those things when he was playing well and they want a playoff game it was like all right look at baker he's the culture changer look at all this stuff he's done when you're not playing well it comes off really differently and i i guess the thing with this is mary kay like every quarterback i mean every player has that chip on his shoulder every player has that edge i mean tom brady notoriously I mean, he's maybe the biggest grudge holder in the NFL, but he's not going on social media and chirping people and going after Colin Coward. And, you know, you don't see other people do this. That stuff was, was very much starting to wear on people, fans, the team. You could just tell it was starting to wear on everybody, especially when stuff like this was happening when you're playing some of the worst football in the NFL.
0: Yes. And, you know, throughout the offseason, I've run into a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people. And the big theme in regards to Baker Mayfield has been maturity. That's been the buzzword. That's what everybody tells me. Uh, That's what they're hearing from when they talk to people inside of the organization. That's what they're hearing coming from people that have worked very closely with Baker, is that they wanted to see more maturity from him, that they want, that they need him to grow up and that he has growing up to do. And, you know, you can have very, very mature 26-year-olds. It's not an age thing. Maturity is not always an age thing. Sometimes it is. I mean, they they always tell me that, uh, you know, that the male frontal lobe isn't fully formed or whatever until you're 25. I, I'm still waiting for it to happen with my husband, and he's far <laughs> beyond 25 joking there's a
2: lot of shots getting taken (laughs) you really are cold (laughs) um
0: but anyways um no actually I, i feel like i did see it with my son chris who did turn 25 this year and i i i actually do feel like there's something to be said about that but um but baker mayfield it's in his personality to be abrasive to call people out uh, to not always have uh, the type of professionalism that you would expect. Um, but I, I think the Browns are a little bit tired of it. I, want the, I, I, I think that they want uh, they want somebody that has maturity, but I think you have to read the room. Like we, when I read, when I saw Chris Mortensen report that, it comes at the same time when they are wooing a quarterback with more off the field baggage than anybody, We have ever heard about in the NFL, so you can't have it both ways. You can't be talking about maturity is the thing that we want when, when they're potentially wading into the most controversial issue in the NFL.
2: That struck me too, that, you know, Chris Mortensen goes on ESPN and says the Browns want an adult at quarterback and Deshaun's Deshaun Watson's picture is at the, the bottom of the screen like uh, maybe he's acts like an adult in press conferences and all of that but there are 22 civil lawsuits pending against him mm-hmm. so that, that that sort of didn't jive, completely jive with me either yeah. scott or doug do you have any thoughts on the, the adult thing
3: you take somebody as the whole package you can't slice up people and i liked baker mayfield flag planting chest thumping body part grabbing Baker Mayfield when he got drafted by the Browns and you needed somebody to come in here and say, yeah, I want to be in Cleveland. Yeah. I want to do this. I thought that part of him was a plus then it's the same thing, but the circumstance changed. However, if he's through 36 touchdowns and six interceptions last year, he could have the same personality and we wouldn't be having a maturity discussion. So as somebody said, when you lose and you play bad and we know the injury Then it grinds on you. And he didn't, he sort of turned it up when stuff gets rough. He doesn't turn it down. He turns it back up. And he even said like, I'm getting off social media. And then like, he couldn't stay off. (laughs) He had to come back on and give this letter when he just should be in his house, working out, rehabbing and just ignoring everything. But like, he can't, well, why can't he? Because he's the guy that you drafted. So this is how it goes, but it's all about performance. It's just that once the performance went south, all this stuff came out. But I think it's very well said by you guys that it does seem hypocritical of we want an adult and somehow the answer is the guy in Houston.
1: It was interesting to watch Baker from 2019 to 2020 because in 2019, his personality very much mirrored Freddie Kitchens's as they were going through tough times. Um, They were both very similar. In how ornery they were often in press conferences, and just you know they they were very much aligned in, in how they talked and how they felt attacked at times. Um, then 2020 comes along, and Baker Mayfield was pretty much a mini me to Kevin Stefanski in the way he conducted himself. And obviously, the the two big factors in those seasons is one was a losing season, one was a winning season. Everything was going great. Um, then last season everything kind of diverged. I mean, Kevin Stefanski was part of all those losses too. And I think we can all agree that at least publicly he handled every question and seemed to uh, understand what was asked of him. And, you know, there, there weren't any tense press conferences with him. Um, not so, not so much with more so with Baker, obviously. So they just, Baker could only do that for so long, apparently. And, I think that has a lot to do with the the adult in the room comment. Um, Just be better when things aren't going right.
2: And, you know, I think the Kevin thing actually sort of is another example of this too, right? Because, you know, he's obviously not going to do what Baker does. But I think, you know, when they were winning, it was like, oh, man, look at Kevin. He just owns these press conferences and has media wrapped around his finger and doesn't give him anything. And then this year, I think there was a little tinge of, oh, my God, say something, Kevin say something other than I've got to coach better and we've got to, we've got to play better and, and all of that. I mean, losing losing tinges everything. It, it, and this season and the way Baker performed just kind of, I mean, here we are. And now suddenly a, a, a se- an off-season of chaos again, uh, lo and behold. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Mary Kay.
0: I was just going to say they're going to have to keep it to, uh, to talent and on the field. They cannot go down. Uh, the character road when it comes to one of the reasons why they are making a change and trying to upgrade the the whole maturity before Deshaun Watson you could have gone down that road and I think you know I I didn't really have much of a problem with you know the Baker moxie and you know the you know the the brash Baker I didn't have a, a huge problem with it I don't like mean people um but when he wasn't mean uh I didn't mind some of the some of the Baker stuff uh, but now that's got to go. The only thing that that they can say when they're trying to sell Cleveland on Deshaun Watson, if they get him, it's just got to be all about uh, performance and the fact that they feel like he can get them to the Super Bowl and they didn't feel like that's what was going to happen with Baker Mayfield.
3: Dan, I just, are we transitioning away from Baker, Dan? Because I have two Baker points before we do. I, I was, but, but go ahead. So one is... Um, do we think it's over for sure? Or if they don't get Deshaun Watson, could Baker Mayfield be the quarterback of this team? I'm asking because I don't know. So, so can we save that? Cause that was
2: part of what I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And then the, the other thing would be, I will be fascinated. And I feel like this is something that we can dig into a little bit more. I feel like it happened with LeBron James, but there are, I think there are Browns fans who have become the Baker bros, people call them, but there are people who have become almost bigger Baker fans than Browns fans. And I felt like that was really hard to do because the Browns were competent. The Browns were a team you should believe in now. All the front office things that went wrong in the past. Listen, you should believe in the Browns. But now that they are pursuing a quarterback with these civil suits against him, there are going to be people who say, why would I trust that organization? I'm sticking with the QB. And I hate that for fans. I hate fans having to feel angst and feel divided about situations like this. But I will be very curious if this is the end of Baker, and especially if they get Deshaun Watson, how some people react. Because we know there are Browns fans who love Baker, and we know there are Browns fans who are upset about the pursuit of Deshaun Watson. And unfortunately, I think it's going to play out in difficult ways for some people who love this team.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we will get a little more into the Watson stuff and a little more with uh, what happens if they don't land Deshaun Watson, if he decides to go someplace else. Back on the orange and brown talk podcast talking quarterbacks i you know i was thinking while we were having that baker discussion when this is finally over we might end up doing a whole week of podcasts on the baker mayfield experience this was i mean look it was four years of a guy who picked a number one overall you know whether you are a baker bro or you didn't like him whatever it was this was a significant era in brown's history um that that it, it appears is about to change but let's go back to Deshaun Watson. And Mary Kay, I, I think you were making a really good point there before the break about how if the Browns are going to make this move, they do just sort of have to admit like this is a football move. And I don't know how they do that delicately. Like Doug, if, if you were Kevin Stefanski or Andrew Barry, I don't know what you would sit at a podium and say necessarily, but I, I think Mary Kay is right. Like you can't sit up there and say, well... I mean, I guess you could say, well, we did our we researched this, we, we did our homework on all this, we feel comfortable with it, but ultimately you do kind of have to admit, like, we think there's a chance to win a Super Bowl. We were painted into a corner, and this is the guy we got, and he is a potentially top five quarterback.
3: I don't think you're going to be able to reassure the people who don't like the move. And the other thing is, I don't know if the haul that they're going to have to give up for him. I don't think you can go up there and say we have zero tolerance for this going forward. Because what if he has like a thing that's not great, but he doesn't get charged. But like, are you going to cut the guy that you just gave up three first round picks for? Like, it's a football move. And I'm not saying that's good. But if they do it, then you've got to stick to football. Now, listen, there's some things you can't tolerate, but they are. I think Barry Kay has it exactly right. I don't know that people are going to be here for like, Oh, well, we're going to help him be a better person. And we're going to rehab his image or we're going to make him a pillar of the community. Just play QB, man. Just like, that's cool. Or it's not cool, but go win games. And I hope they understand that because second chances are one thing, but if you believe at least some of the civil suits, this guy's like on his 23rd chance. So like that, I like, this is a, this is not a one-time mistake, right? That, that, and I know he's not indicted, but this is a different animal. And I just think there's a big difference between standing by a guy in your organization or even going out and getting Kareem Hunt. He's a hometown guy. We're going to help him. He's a Cleveland guy. This guy's like a hired gun. You have no connection to this guy. This guy doesn't have to be your problem. But you're choosing to make his problems your problems. So people don't want a big explanation about that. You're you're better off almost like shrugging your shoulders and saying, "Let's go win a Super Bowl." If
2: yeah, Doug, I think you made a great point there. Um, that that this is like the Browns did go get Kareem Hunt, right? But that John Dorsey was the GM. He had drafted Kareem Hunt, and that, that's a running back, right? That was going to be your second running back, and maybe it was going to work or maybe it wasn't. Everybody kind of knew you were taking a chance on the guy, but it wasn't devastating if it didn't work out or if he got in trouble again. I mean, Scott, you're. Everyone knows the situation here. Everyone's been paying attention the last 12 or 13 months. Everyone knows what they're signing up for. And this is the quarterback. This is the guy when, especially when you have a top 10, top five guy. I mean, this is the guy, this is your organization. This is the guy who is every time you're on national TV, it's Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns are taking on Mitch Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know about that second part. But it's always it's Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Like and, and you know what you're getting. You're it's not like you're gonna trade for him and all of a sudden this stuff is gonna come out. It's already out there.
1: Yeah, and, and Doug's <laughs> totally right. You are spending a lot to bring that in. It, it's hard to give a, a real good take on this when everything's we're right in the middle of it. They haven't right. gotten them yet. The civil stuff hasn't played itself out yet. I don't think it's a case of, and I know you wrote about this today, Dan. And I'm not trying to stomp all over your column or anything, but I don't think Fine. it's, <laughs> I don't think it's a case of they either don't believe the accusers or they don't care about the accusers. I think there's that that's those aren't your only two options here. And I do think, Doug, yeah, you're going to get the press conference um, where they talk about what happened and they talk about how they want to be part of his rehabilitation moving forward, that's that's going to be what it's all built around. Maybe you'll get a statement from Deshaun that says, you know, I've made mistakes and I don't want to put myself in that situation anymore. I'm hoping the fans, you know, I hope my actions on and off the field will, you know, help the fans I'll win them over whatever um, without admitting guilt or whatever, you know, you're, you're going to probably get all that. And then it'll be up to everybody to decide whether or not, that's good enough for them going forward, but that's what you're going to get. And that's, I think as good as you're going to get, I don't outside of him coming out and saying, you know, admitting that, yeah, I did all this and thank God I didn't get indicted by a grand jury. I mean, that's not going to happen. Um, it's, you're going to get that press conference and things are going to move forward. And then you're going to decide whether or not you want to root for him or not. And over time, if he, stays on the right path, similar to what Kareem Hunt has done, then he might win fans over. And if the Browns win a lot of games, he'll win more fans over, but that's, that's where we are. And that's, that's probably what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of it, Mary Karen, right? like yeah. no matter what you think, at some point he's going to be on the field, he's going to start playing. And, you know, maybe, maybe you don't move on, but like that NFL calendar just keeps on rolling. And if the Browns go get him, they get him. And he's, he's going to play for the Cleveland Browns and win games here.
0: It's very polarizing. It is very polarizing. And Doug, you did a poll on it, right? Um, And I'm not sure. What what was the outcome of the poll?
3: So the poll that we did, and I I think someone must have done a Twitter poll or something too, because there's another poll in there that has a whole bunch of votes, but we did it with the texters. Do you want the Cleveland Browns to trade for Deshaun Watson? 60% no, 40% yes. That's the latest updated thing. And then I thought this was important. Would you consider not being a Browns fan if they acquire Watson? And I gave five different answers Only one of them was, yes, I'm not going to be a Browns fan anymore. Everything else was a version of like, maybe I don't like it. I really don't like it, but I'm still going to be a Browns fan. 7% said I would stop rooting for the Browns if they get Deshaun Watson of the hundreds and hundreds of our, and again, tech subscribers, maybe a little more dedicated, even more into it and more involved than the average fan. So the thing, and the thing that I don't like about it is I think you should, You definitely can. There are fans who say, listen, just play quarterback. I'm not looking for a role model. I'll handle my own personal business. Play quarterback, fine. Win a Super Bowl. And I don't think those fans should be, you know, under attack from the fans who say, how dare you? You should be against this move. But then also those fans should not ignore the fans who are like, this is tearing me up. I feel my team is hypocritical. I feel gross about this. This goes against my values. That's real too. I just hate it. This fan base is divided too much. There's too many things that happen to Browns fans where you feel like you have to somehow pick a side in a world where you all should be pulling on the same rope. And this is just another one of those things. And I, I just, we all do. We just hate it for the people who love this team because rooting for your favorite sports team should be easier than this. And they might get a quarterback that gets the Browns to the Super Bowl for the first time. And people are going to have angst about it. I just hate it.
0: It, it is so ironic, isn't it? I mean, you finally get to the point where you feel like, you know, maybe they could have that elite quarterback, but it just comes with uh, the biggest caveat ever. And, uh, and it's just amazing to think that they are in this situation where Baker Mayfield four years later could be on his way out the door and, uh, and Deshaun Watson can be on his way in. It, it is Uh, As you said, Doug, it is, it is polarizing. It is divisive. I mean, I have gotten so many emails, uh, you know, just even, you know, being out and about, you know, that's what everybody's talking about. People either hate Baker now, or they love Baker. They either hate Deshaun or they love Deshaun. And you're not going to make everybody happy in this situation, no matter what you do. And I think the Browns are just going to plow forward and do what they think is best for the football team and they're going to put on the blinders and they're, they're just going to, they're going to deal with it. And if they decide uh, that, that Deshaun Watson is going to be their quarterback and he is going to be their quarterback. If Deshaun Watson and the Texans give the green light on this, I mean, they went down there from everything I understand, they made an offer and this is happening. If Deshaun gives the thumbs up, Um, you know, they're just going to, they're going to move forward with it and they're going to deal with it. And they know exactly what's going to come along with it. And as far as Baker, I don't think they, you know, they're not going to worry about that. They're going to try to get this team to the Super Bowl, and they're, they're, they're going to deal with all the fallout that is going to come with this.
2: All right. So let's make this a little more of a football discussion at this point. Uh, and and we were joking before we hit record that Deshaun will probably make his decision while we're talking. We're getting to the point now where he'll probably just make his decision after we stop recording. And I'm like 90% done for the podcast, but that's neither here nor there. Deshaun Watson, where's the best landing spot for him in your mind? I have a case I can make for a spot that is not Cleveland. But I'm wondering what you guys think. Where is the best, and not not just in 2022, but, like, long-term, the best landing spot for Deshaun Watson? I I don't know. Can I call Ellis really quick and
1: find out more about the Panthers?
2: (laughs) Yeah, let's get Ellis on. I mean, I actually personally think New Orleans is the best place for him i think it's southern city it's indoors the atmosphere i don't think there's a better football nfl game day atmosphere every week than new orleans there are places like buffalo when it's cold and loud it's awesome and uh, you know we we know the legendary stories about municipal state there's there's great places but i mean new orleans week to week when they're a good football team is just it's different with that stadium downtown and You know, they're a talented team. And the other piece of this is once Tom Brady's done, and it sure felt like Tom Brady maybe didn't necessarily want to come back and play for Tampa, but he kind of was forced to play for Tampa when he decided to come back. Once he's done there, Deshaun Watson kind of runs that division. I think he might be able to come to Cleveland and win a Super Bowl this year, which obviously is a big selling point. But I think New Orleans long-term could be the place he'd want to go. That's the case I would make. But no. I think Cleveland is my
0: my clo- very close number two. I mean, it seems like New Orleans has the edge. It seems like that feels like more of a fit. He seems like he's more comfortable in warmer climates. It seems like he's, you know, he's a Southern, uh, you know, Clinton went to Clemson, you know, played in Houston. It, 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 it does seem like he would almost be a fish out of water up here in the AFC North it, do, it doesn't feel like home but having said all that i keep feeling like this is the best this is the best spot for him i don't know i mean everything else aside just from pure football standpoint i feel like this is the best opportunity for him to come and win a super bowl now now it's a tough division it's a very it's a tough, very very a tough conference, conference. Is a tough conference and a tough, tough division. You're right. I mean, he, once, if, if he stays in the NFC and, and Aaron and Tom are done soon, right. I mean, like you said, he can own uh, the NFC pretty easily. So that's probably a consideration too, but I don't know. There's just something about um, there's just something about this situation that I, I don't know. I keep hearing that again, as I mentioned, that, the Browns are not front runners. The Saints are front runners. I feel like the Browns are very much in it just because of everything that they have to offer. Uh, I think that Andrew Barry makes a very compelling case when he gets in front of players. I think they can demonstrate uh, that they handled Kareem Hunt's situation very well, uh, that they, they have a good support system. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they probably just did a really, really nice job in their presentation. And I believe that he's probably uh, at least considering the Browns where some people might think that they don't have a shot.
1: It doesn't seem like a guy who would want to go to a conference just because it's easy. I mean, I don't know. I I do agree. The Browns are set up the best right now. Like the the object is to win a Super bowl. I think the Browns are in the best position. If you plug him in here to do that. Um, so I mean, wherever he's going to be, it's, it's four years. He's got four years left on his deal. Uh, I don't know. I, you never know how this is going to go. I mean, two years from now, after a couple drafts and some trades, I mean, that some, some of the conferences or some of the divisions in the NFC could look totally different. You just, it just changes. So I think the Browns make the most sense if winning is the primary goal.
3: The Panthers in Charlotte, that's pretty close to Clemson. There's a lot of crossover with the fan bases there. I think that would be comfortable. I think the thing that I sort of want to happen and I think might be good for everybody. Atlanta is like the marquee city of the South. And for him to go to Atlanta, I think he would have a chance to be a huge star in Atlanta. And then Matt Ryan's available and bring Matt Ryan to Cleveland. Yeah. Well, I actually he's think he's like from Georgia that, too. I, right. And I, I think there are some dominoes there. I loved Deshaun Watson. I loved pre-accusation, Deshaun Watson. I I like when Ohio state played Clemson in the bowl game and just being around him, I thought he had it in the locker room. I thought his game would translate to the NFL. I am a thousand percent in on Deshaun Watson, the football player. And I do think he could get the Browns to a super bowl with the talent they have here. I do. I think he's that good. I think he is no doubt about it. A giant upgrade over Baker Mayfield. And that's not a shot at Baker Mayfield. It's just real life. Mm-hmm. And I think he's worth three first round picks, or whatever the price tag is going to be. It's a win now team. He's a win now quarterback. The baggage is real. The baggage is a lot. And they don't have to take it on. I don't think the Browns have to get Deshaun Watson to make the playoffs and be a competitive team. They just have to get better quarterback play. So I'm not, I don't think Matt Ryan's a, a superstar anymore right now, but he's a pretty darn competent quarterback, I think. I think he would give them the level of, of play at quarterback that would give them a shot. And then let Atlanta deal with the baggage. And I know Deshaun Watson's better, but the price tag's not as high. You're going to get Matt Ryan for basically nothing. You're get him for a second round pick or whatever. Once Deshaun Watson goes to Atlanta, I like those dominoes better for the Browns, but man, Deshaun Watson's a good football <laughs> player. He's a top five quarterback when he's on. Yeah. So Doug,
2: you started going down this road. So the next question I had, I was actually going to do a different question first. We'll save that one for last. The quarterback of the Browns in 2022 right now at 843 on March 16th, 2022, the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns is who in week one? I feel like we've been asking this question for months and months, but now it feels real.
0: Well, Doug, Doug started to ask a question earlier. Uh, so why don't we cover that part of it? Like, you know, right now, I mean, he yeah. wondered. Uh, can Baker Mayfield still come back here and be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns? If this trade falls through, and what are the chances of that happening? Uh, And I wrote yesterday afternoon that he could still be dealt. He could still be gone, but I think that's more uh, a function of believing and knowing that his camp. And, and we saw that in some of Baker's letter last night, they're, you know, they're disillusioned. They, they watched, the Browns go down and court another team's starting quarterback and basically say, you're not our guy. And, you know, we're looking around, not a vote of confidence. So, um, so from that standpoint, I think it would be awkward and weird and difficult, but I don't think that we can slam the door shut on it or rule it out because I don't think there are a lot of other options out there right now. And I do think that there is a world in which he could still come back and be the starting quarterback of the Browns next year. And everybody would have to put aside all the noise and all the controversy and Baker Mayfield would have to to make like Jimmy Garoppolo and just say, hey, it's my contract year and I'm going to either go out and I'm going to I'm going to play like crazy, you know, for my next Browns contract or my next whoever contract. And that's what he would have to do. And again, it sounds the letter sounded like goodbye. The Browns, it seems like their actions are saying it's over but it's never really over until it's over. And I do still think there is some percent of a chance that he could be the Brown starter in 2022.
2: So Would that be your answer?
3: <laughs> Her answer is to Sean. It can, it can be
2: to Sean. Your answer is to I'm Sean. Not, Mary I'm Gary. not saying if it's not to Sean, I'm saying, who do you, who do you think it's going to be? Hmm.
0: It's so tough. I'll tell you why. You pull that I, Joe I'll tell Montana
2: you, out of retirement if you I'll, want. I'll,
0: I'll tell you why it's tough. Because I have people that literally swear to me that he is not coming to the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson. I, but I'm not believing it. I'm not buying it. Okay. And those are just, you know, people that are talking to people that are talking to people. And that, you know, they're insisting, no, don't go there. He's not, he's not coming there. But so many smoke screens happen at this time of year. People lie. People would lie to their mom straight to her face at this time of year. Um, so I don't believe anything anybody tells me at this time of year. I take every single thing with a grain of salt. I almost start from the premise of you're lying to me. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now let's let's go from work back from there. Uh, so there is just that little part of me that thinks. That he's coming. There's a lot to, there's, you know, there's a lot to come here for. I mean, look, if I were doing the PowerPoint in front of Deshaun Watson <laughs> and I had a little slideshow going back here in my dark Rocky river house right now, <laughs> I, I'd be showing uh, miles Garrett. Right. I mean, he played with, he played with JJ Watt. He played with Jadavian. Clowney. Jadavian would probably come back. They probably got Jadavian on the phone in the middle of the PowerPoint. Right. They probably got Jarvis on the phone in the middle of the darn thing. Jarvis would probably want to call back. Um, so I would be showing Miles clips. I would be showing Denzel. I would be showing Greg and JOK. Okay. Uh, I would be, you know, Rock and shooting. Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Rock and Roll Hall <laughs> of Fame. Amari Cooper, right? Amari Cooper. Darn. They probably brought Amari down with him. He was probably on the private jet. He was probably there. Him and MJ Stewart. <laughs> they just dropped MJ off. Here you go. Um, but anyways, there there's a lot that you could put in that PowerPoint and I'm sure that that Andrew Barry put on a heck of a show. I'm sure that Kevin did. I'm sure they were a little bit more animated and forthcoming than they are with us. Jimmy was there. Jimmy can be persuasive. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say Deshaun because
2: <laughs> I'm just going to say you haven't given us an answer though.
0: I know I haven't given you an answer. <laughs> I don't, I don't really believe it's going to be either of them in my heart of hearts.
1: I'll say that the the only um, tweet I've seen about Sean Watson's situation while we've been recording here is that it's from Pro Football Talk. It says that Sean Watson is, quote, incredibly torn, right? which I think is what Mary Kay is right now and trying to decide the answer (laughs) to this question.
0: Yes, (laughs) I am. I don't know what to believe because it is so hard for me to believe that Baker Mayfield can come back and coexist with the Browns and that they are going to, that they could possibly get through next year without all the distractions and the drama and the angst and all of that.
3: Uh, And go ahead. That's what I, my answer is neither Watson nor Mayfield. Yeah. The Browns have decided they're willing to pony up for a better QB for who they view as a better QB. If Deshaun Watson Go somewhere else. What if they take this exact same offer to the Arizona Cardinals and offer it for Kyler Murray? Or what if they take two thirds of the offer and take it to the Raiders and offer it for Derek Carr? They're down the road. They, they've traded for Deshaun Watson. They've made the offer, right? and It's been accepted. They just don't know if it's approved yet. They're all in. How do you come back from that? And I don't think it would be Baker that's like, I don't want to go back to that team. I, don't, I think they're out. How, if he comes back, we're going to ask him about this stuff and it's going to be a cyclone. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that locker room wants that. I don't think the coaching staff or the front office wants that. I think they've made their decision, but now they're in. So if you're willing to mortgage some part of the future, and that's what we always wondered about these guys, how they've already decided we're willing to give up this much. Okay, go give it to somebody else. So I'll say Derek Carr. They go to the Raiders and make the Raiders an offer they can't refuse. They overpay for Derek Carr. But we're down the road. So I, I just – my, it's only a guess. Everything I think is based off Mary Kay Cabot's reporting. What can I say? It's <laughs> only a guess. Why am I on this podcast? I say Deshaun does not pick here. You can't bring back Baker. But they remain as aggressive as they can with the remaining targets. And I'd go go to Kyler go to Carr. And if that doesn't work, go get Jimmy Garoppolo and just try to get the best quarterback play you can. That was my answer,
2: Jimmy. I I think there is a plan B. and There is a like, okay, Deshaun tells us no. I'm with you, Doug. I think like these guys are too smart. They have to be. They're too smart to get rejected by Deshaun Watson and then be sitting around in their offices going, oh, what now? Should we call (laughs) Baker? There's a plan B. There's a guy that as soon as Deshaun says, no, they're on the phone, and it might be Jimmy G. And a part of that is, Mary Kay, you know this business. When Chris Mortensen goes on ESPN and says, don't sleep on Jimmy G to the Browns, Uh he's not somebody who just throws stuff out. You know, It's like when we're on this podcast and you throw little things out and it's like, oh, okay. Like it doesn't necessarily sound like I'm reporting this, but you kind of know there's, Probably some information behind what you're saying right that stuck with me today when he said that and and so I really think and Jimmy G hasn't gone anywhere yet either
0: right well here's the thing if if I if I were doing the uh the quarterback search in the in the wake of Deshaun says no I would go out and I would I would throw the farm at at Derek Carr that would be my choice I, I, I would too yeah, he, he's the, the player that I would be intrigued by. He is the adult in the room that they need. He has enough. He's a closer. I think he's a gamer. Uh, I, I think he has what it takes. He's been through so much dysfunction, so much dysfunction in the Raiders organization. I think he needs a change of scenery. I think this would be the place for him. That's who I would go out and get. I have been told and I have written that uh, there might be a little bit of trepidation on the part of Josh McDaniels to treat, to trade him to the Cleveland Browns, a team that snubbed him for the head coaching job, that he might not be, they might not be willing to do that. I don't know if that's true or not. Like I said, it's the lying season. They call it the silly season. It is the lying season. No question about it, but that's the player that I would go out and get. I've heard that that they have not been hot on the trail of Jimmy Garoppolo, but it doesn't mean they can't get on the trail of Jimmy Garoppolo. And of course, when Chris Mortensen, throw something like that out there. You do have to listen. I mean, he, you know, he does talk to some people in the Browns organization and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when he has something like that, you cannot dismiss it even though I have kind of heard the opposite, but you know, that was before the musical chairs game had gone on on and on and on and on and on. And many, many, many of the jobs are filled now and many of the quarterbacks are gone. There's not that many people left. I like Matt Ryan too. I really like Matt Ryan. I'd be all for Matt Ryan. I keep trying to work out the money, but I think you could figure out the money. You could, um, you could take Matt Ryan's large salary and convert it into a signing bonus. And you could add voidable years to it on the end. And you could get that cap number because he's got a significant cap number. You could get that cap number way down. And, and I think that he would be another really good choice and somebody who would actually be attainable because I don't know that the Raiders are going to part with Derek Carr and are they going to trade him to an AFC team if they do, you know? I mean, that one's a little, I don't know. I mean, the Colts too, that's, an, that's another spot, possible landing spot for him. But um, yeah, Matt Ryan's a possibility. I mean, then after that, you're starting to move into the like, Marcus Mariota, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Let's I'm going to go with Derek Carr. I'll go with Derek Carr. Even though I think it'd be really, really hard to pry him away from the Raiders. Scott.
1: I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. I just, I don't know. It's hard to be a Browns, hard to be a (laughs) Browns fan. And I agree with Doug and I don't know if it's going to get any easier, but here's a, they've done a lot of moves to clear cap space, you know, they, Jarvis, J.C. Treader. They made Austin Hooper the the post June one uh, release. There's one cap casualty that we all assumed was coming that hasn't <laughs> happened yet.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's still on the roster. Oh, I wish. And I think at this Doug's point, right now, maybe he's like option F. <laughs> How do you feel about Case Keenum as your starting quarterback in 2022?
0: Well, you know, I will you know officially what? refer everybody to him. who's.
1: Everybody who thought he could win games last year. You might get your wish.
3: Well, you I know, will only he- call him option F on this podcast. If that happens, I will not refer to him by name.
0: What, what's, <laughs> what's happening there is in the event that you do land Deshaun Watson, you have to plan for being without him for potentially maybe like the first four games of the season.
1: Yeah.
0: So you have to have a guy that knows your system that knows your players And that can come in and hit the ground running at the beginning of the season. And who knows Kevin Stefanski and this system and these players better than Case Keenum. So I think that's what's going on there. That situation is dictated by whether or not they get Deshaun Watson.
2: Okay, one more. Best landing spot for Baker.
3: Anywhere because he's going to be healthy and mad. (laughs) And he'll probably play pretty well next year. He probably will. But I don't know that he was going to play that well here. So Browns fans have to prepare themselves. And Baker fans can get excited. He's, I would not at all be shocked if he goes and looks like a top 12 quarterback next year. And you get a version of the best of Baker. And that's just a reality that people are going to have to deal with. I think Indianapolis makes sense in a lot of ways.
0: Well, I think Indianapolis makes the, if if I'm Baker Mayfield, I am clawing my way to Indianapolis. If he, if he's going to be able to get out of here, I I would scream, kick scratch and claw to get to Indianapolis because that is a real true plug and play situation where you just need to get a good quarterback in there and, and some good quarterback play. And they've got so many other things on that team. And uh, he would have the best chance of winning there. And he's got the running game. So many things that he had here. I mean, he, he's, he would be surrounded by everything that he needs there. And I think he's the kind of quarterback that needs that comprehensive supporting cast to be successful. And I think that's where he would have his best chance.
2: And a place that uh, there were a couple of times last year where I kind of asked the question, like, why can't the Browns be a little more like the Colts?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Why can't they just have some games where they just let their running back run the ball 35 times or they're running backs. And we saw Frank Reich was not afraid to take the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands a number of times last year. Um, I, I think that could be a good situation for Baker. I know Seattle has been floated out there. I don't know about that. There's some good weapons there for him, but um, I, I don't know if that's the best, the best situation for him. Scott, are you on the Indy train? Are we sending Baker to Indy? Have we done it already?
1: Yeah. For Baker, it's Indy for the Browns. It's, you know, Detroit or Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put him somewhere over there where they don't have to worry about him.
2: <laughs> got to send him to Carolina.
1: <laughs> That's right. Got His to. buddy's there. <laughs> We're just sending Ellis. We're sending Ellis.
2: Everybody. He's got Cam Irving. He's got Austin Corbett. He's got Rashard Higgins. I know I'm missing some people. I mean, he's got, send Baker down there.
3: Oh, my God. Watch the Rashard Higgins social media accounts for Baker recruiting if the Browns get a new quarterback. To reunite those guys. Ellis is going to write like an A1 story for the Charlotte Observer about <laughs> the long friendship of Richard Higgins and Baker. He probably won an award for it. Oh, my God. And then he'll call <laughs> Scott Pasco for a quote to put in the story.
1: There you I, go.
2: Hope he sent, I hope he sends Scott like a framed copy of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the headline will be how Richard found somewhere to love. You know, it's, just, it's all love in Carolina until it isn't. It's going to turn on him.
2: All right. We got to get out of here. So this podcast has a shelf life. We didn't even talk about
3: Austin Hooper. That's like a gigantic move that I happened today.
0: Right. But the,
2: oh,
3: this we is, should talk about Austin
0: Hooper. Yeah. Let's talk about Austin Hooper for a minute. Okay.
2: But if, look, if Deshaun makes his decision right now, that's on all of you.
0: Okay. He's torn, Dan. He's not going to make it tonight. <laughs> He's going to sleep on it tonight. Probably. Um, okay. Austin Hooper. Wow. What horrible chemistry he and Baker Mayfield had together. I mean, he came here as a two-time Pro Bowler. He had caught 71 and 75 uh, catches in his previous two years. He was dynamite. He came here, and uh, and it just didn't work out. And he started dropping passes. He did not fare well with Baker, tried to be Baker's best friend. They hung out. They practiced off the field together. It just didn't work out. And, and the minute that they franchised David Njoku, I thought, that's it. He's gone. It's, it's over, even though there were, you know, some cap considerations. But if you don't do it until June 1st, you can, you know, you can get some of your money back. So nine and a half million dollar cap saving as a post June one designation. He just uh, he just didn't work out. And I, I I think it was the right move.
2: I actually think this is even though it's a failure in the fact that you signed this guy he was a big free agent signing and it didn't work. I think this is actually a good sign of organizational health because I think it's a good thing that Andrew Barry two years into this thing is just saying, you know what? It didn't work. He's either saying I messed up or Austin Hooper wasn't as good as we thought he was or whatever it was. We're done. We're moving on. We're going a different direction. Maybe some outside circumstances are causing that because maybe you're going to change your offense to suit a a particular quarterback, whatever it is. I think even though you don't like to see mistakes, they're going to happen. And I think a GM who is willing to admit those mistakes sooner rather than later, I think is actually a good sign. So I'll I'll put some positive spin on this. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think they just realized that uh, they saw more potential in Njoku and that neither one of them was worth what Hooper was slated to make. So you franchise Njoku and make him the, the highest paid guy and and go on from there. And I, I, I'm still going back to what we talked about earlier. This could be a signal of just things changing a little bit. Not that they're going to abandon having tight ends on the field a lot, but um, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to go out and get another big time tight end or somebody who's had a lot of success somewhere uh, and bring him in as a guy behind Njoku. Um, not at this point. So I, I think this might signal a bit of a, of a change
3: a little bit in, in the offense. And I do think for Kevin Stefanski, you know, you're looking, you can't just stockpile average tight ends. You're looking for great tight ends. And so you thought maybe Austin Hooper was one and he's not. So get rid of him. David Njoku, you still think he might be. So keep him. Harrison Bryant, jury's out. I don't know. But I'm penciling the tight end back into my next mock draft with the comp pick in the third round. Because I think you've still value that position and you keep firing bullets at that position because you can find good tight ends in rounds three through five. And this is a pretty interesting tight end draft. And now you can draft that guy, have him be your third tight end this year, see how Bryant does. And maybe this guy develops into something, but Austin Hooper, I mean, it's still, they're spreading the money out. Right. But like, it's still, this is going to affect them next year on the cap, right? The way you spread it out. Is that right? Cap people, right? I think it's
1: like 3.7 million for the next three years.
3: So, I, so, Believe you know, it. it doesn't kill you, but it is a little bit of a hit. They could have just kept them around and paid him to be the second tight end or whatever. But like Dan said, get rid of your mistakes and, and try again and see if you can find a guy who's not average, who's the next Mark Andrews in round three. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do that.
0: And when they I mean- signed Austin Hooper, uh, remember that's when they didn't know what was going to happen with David Njoku. David was wanting out of here. Uh, they didn't know what he was going to develop into. And, you know, they were kind of dragging him along, kicking and screaming. Now he's bought in. And so they have a number one tight end that they can pay double digit millions. And, you know, they don't need Hooper to be that anymore.
2: And, and if one of these guys is going to turn into a, a player who's worth a tight end, who's worth that much money, it's going to be at the 25 year old that you've been putting time and time and time right. into. I mean, that that's the guy that's good. That's got the upside still. Austin Hooper kind of is who he is at this point. Mm-hmm. There we go. We talked about Austin Hooper. Look at us. (laughs) All right. Can we do 25 minutes on Chase Winovich or no? (laughs) If you've got 25 minutes on Chase Winovich, I would love to hear
3: it. It's just all the little moves that they're making to keep certain guys, keep Chris Hubbard, get Chase Winovich, get the, get the return guy. Like it's all it. Andrew Barry is, you know, he's probably spent days on the Deshaun Watson PowerPoint, Mary Kay. But he also had enough time for all these little moves, and the little moves add up. Mm-hmm. You know, getting Chris Hubbard back as the swing tackle—they've got to have a swing tackle they trust. That was a right. big deal. So, and I thought the Winovich trade is—give up Mac Wilson, who had no role here—is—is mm-hmm. is great. It's funny to—it's just I know it's this season, but I follow several Patriots beat writers. And they're like, "Oh, Mac Wilson, oh, another off-ball linebacker for the base. Like, what? What are you? What are you talking? He—he he, he couldn't get on the field in Cleveland anymore. But also I'm like, ooh, Chase Winovich. And, like Patriots people are like, yeah, Chase Winovich like didn't even play in the second half last year. <laughs> so I get it. So I I, that's how it works.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the other thing too that I think, I, I see this a lot on, on Twitter. I see this sometimes with our subscribers. It's like four hours into the league year and they're like, oh my God, the Browns still need this and this and this. What is Andrew Barry doing? And I think it's always important to remind everyone. The league year just started. There's still tons of free agency left. And there's a thing in April called the draft. Yes. Yeah. So we are a long ways away from this roster being complete. This is all just a, it's a, it's a process of, of getting this roster to where it is. And, and this is kind of just the start, but the biggest domino is going to fall here soon at some point. Uh, so now we will try and get this thing up. So it has a little bit of a shelf life before mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson is no longer torn. He makes his decision. So for Mary Kay, Doug, and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. everybody.